what we're doing is we're kind of spearheading this, a, a new face of residency, if you will, making safety a required standard condition of residency. So when you sign those leases, when you sign title to your property, whether you have a mortgage or not, well, we're saying that safety should be front and center. You found the Real Estate Law Podcast. Because real estate is more than just pretty pictures, and law goes well beyond the paperwork and courtroom arguments. If you're a real estate professional or looking to build real estate expertise, then welcome to the conversation and discover more at realestatelawpodcast.com. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Law Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Jason Muth, and we are here with attorney, real estate broker, Rory Gill. Hello, Rory. Hey, Jason. And I'm happy as always to speak with a guest today. And we're going to be taking a deep dive into safety and security in the home. And it's a pretty broad topic, but that's something I'm really looking forward to. Sabrina Oso, has, who is the founder and CEO of Oso Safe, has built certification programs and other resources for those in the real estate space. So we'll take a deeper look at that. But great to see you, Jason. Great to see you, Sabrina. Thank you. Hi, Sabrina. How are you? Very well. Thank you so much for having us uh, on your podcast. This is so great, especially whenever it's about real estate. I love talking about it and it really bridges what we're doing. So thank you for the opportunity. Oh, sure. You, you know, you you actually bring a really interesting angle that we haven't spoken of too much on this podcast. A long time ago, we did an episode about safety for real estate agents at open houses and, you know, when we were researching your background and whatnot, when you reached out to us, you know, we had a look at your website and saw your TED talk and some more information about you. We said, you know, what's interesting about what Sabrina's offering is, is this is the other side of the real estate. You know, real a lot of people that are on this podcast are investors or they're agents or they're people in the business that are buying, selling real estate for themselves, for clients. You're working mostly or I don't want to speak for you, but it looks like a lot of the work that you're doing is the other side. It's the people that are living in the homes. It's the folks that you know want to remain safe in these spaces that everyone is renting out or, or purchasing. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Oso oh Safe? You know how you started the business, what you guys do, and you know what your mission is. Thank you again for the opportunity. Uh, we see real estate in this fashion. No one should live with violence, abuse, chaos, dysfunction. No one, especially children. Whether you live in a townhouse, a co-op, a condo, a single-family home, a multifamily dwelling, a two-family home, a villa, a mansion, a mobile home, no one should live with abuse in any capacity, not verbal, not physical, not sexual abuse. So what we're doing is we're kind of spearheading this, a new face of residency, if you will, making safety a required standard condition of residency. So when you sign those leases, when you sign title to your property, whether you have a mortgage or not, well, we're saying that safety should be front and center, right at the top of the list, because everything else is secondary. And I speak about this in my TEDx talk. So the way Oso Safe got started, I am a, a former victim of violence. My father beat my mother on a regular basis. I've had enough years of therapy. I've been in and out of therapy for quite some time. I'm comfortable enough to say it to perfect strangers, to people that I've known in a long time. 
but it took a while to be comfortable to say so. So I know firsthand how horrible it is to live in that type of environment. You're basically living in a war zone. You're living with a terrorist. An episode of violence can occur at any moment. My father beat my mother on a regular basis and my mother would beat me. So, and this was ongoing. I have a degree in computer science. I did what I was supposed to do. I went to university, but I found that the computer corporate world was very unsatisfying. What I am is a dancer. And my therapist saw that in me and and I was heavy duty clubbing in, in the city uh, I loved clubbing. I was, uh, once I moved out, I felt so free, so liberated. So I was going back to who I was supposed to be, if you will. Because when you live with violence, you have to put your life on hold in a way. You can't think about what it is that you want to do because you're constantly in survival mode. So, anyway, she, my therapist said, Sabrina, you're a dancer. You have to go study and go be a dancer. So I did. I I studied. I was taking 12 classes a week in New York City, voice lessons, um, some acting, but dancing. And I was auditioning. I was getting gigs, but I started writing my one-woman show. And that one-woman show is called Home Sweet Home. And I was teaching dance at the time. And I performed it with my students, actually, uh, my dance students. Looking back, that was pretty awesome, you know, to do that, to be on stage with your students doing your show, your one-woman show. In this show, it's called Home Sweet Home, question mark. And I play different women being abused. She goes to her good place. That's where the dancing comes in. But then she's pulled back into the terror of violence. The show ends really strong, really empowering. And I did a lot of research for the show. And Jason, I couldn't believe the statistics that I was finding, uh, Jason and Rory. I, I couldn't believe how common this was. So I said to myself, I have to make this into a business, into a bona fide business with bona fide products and services that could really help people, whether you're going through violence or not. And I thought back, what did I need growing up? What would have benefited me? So that's what I developed with Oh So Safe, basically combining education and technology to promote safety and prevent violence in the workplace, schools, but in particular in your place of residence. So I hope I answered the question. I know I go off on a tangent sometimes, but hopefully I answered everything. (laughs) Well, you will explain how you got to where you are now also, which I think is important because it's not just the what, it's the why. Why are we doing what we're doing? So we, you, know, you clearly explain that and we appreciate hearing your story. Rory, can you maybe talk a little bit about how you see Oh So Safe fitting into you know, your travels and the work that you're doing as a real estate broker uh, with some of the agents that you have? So unfortunately, when I have to train or teach safety, it feels as though I'm just kind of looking at a series of good ideas that maybe if taken together can make for a safer workplace, Most, mostly in our case, a safer workplace for our agents, um, but even a safer experience for our clients. But it's not satisfying that it's just a series of sort of disconnected ideas that maybe each chip away and make things a little bit safer. So what intrigues me about 
your work is kind of taking a more comprehensive approach and giving, you know, putting safety at the forefront instead of just ha- chipping away at the edges. So just give us a little bit of a practical insight into, you know, what your product, what your services look like for, for people at the end. Great question. Our core product are the OSO safe certifications. And right now we're focusing on the landlord tenant portion of the industry, of the real estate industry, because that's the path of least resistance. But I want to say that we want this to propagate over all residency, whether you rent, whether you own, whether you have a mortgage or not. So we're saying, okay, Mr. and Ms. Landlord, hire us, get your properties also safe certified. What does that mean? They purchase the also safe home sweet home package. And that consists of a policy, a seminar, an app, and therapists assigned to the property. So just to give a brief summation, the policy basically states, I as a landlord, I promise to provide you a safe space for you to live. You in turn as my tenant, you promise to not act in any way, shape or form abusively. Otherwise, you, the abuser only, gets immediately evicted from the premises. And we go into full knowledge knowing that that would be the consequences. So the rest of the family unit gets to stay, provided that they could still pay the rent or the mortgage. So it's the abuser that gets evicted. That's the policy. The seminar is everybody gets educated on facts, statistics, warning signs, definitions of abuse, the difference between abuse and discipline, just to name a few items, because I feel like we should know these things. But a lot of people, I think, whether they realize it or not, and abusers know when they're being abusive. So I'm not making excuses for them. But this education is basically a blanket education for everybody, new and existing tenants. So you're going to know that, oh, pulling hair constitutes abuse. If I smack the crap out of my kid, that constitutes abuse. If I call my kid or my boyfriend or my girlfriend, you're a whore, you're a slut, you're nothing, you're worthless, that's all verbal abuse. So there's no question anymore like, oh, I didn't know No, now you know, you got educated. Then there is an app and now it's being updated, but this app will detect violence-like movements and captures them in real time, issuing alerts to the landlord. So let's say a landlord has 10 units. Well, they're going to get an alert. Oh, wow, I just saw you beat the crap out of her in my unit two and you just beat the crap out of him in my unit 10. These are grounds for eviction. You knew that that was going to happen. You signed the policy. There's a waiver in the policy. So this keeps everybody else intact in your building. So that's the technology portion of the package. Then the fourth and final component are therapists assigned to the property. So these therapists, it's no more leaving it up to the wind, tossing it up to chance. You're required as part of your residency to check in with your therapist once a month. Is everything okay? Do you feel like anything is looming? Well, actually, Mr. and Ms. Therapist, um, my kid came home with bad grades, or my kid is getting bullied, or I'm having trouble in my relationship. You know, I feel like maybe it's, it's in the danger zone of abuse. I don't know. So, This is all part of being preventative versus waiting for an episode of violence to occur. Because when the police come, Rory, it's actually almost too late to do something. We needed to take steps way before 
way before. So this is all on the preventative side. This mitigates, it maintains property reputation and mitigates liability. Your tenants feel safe. Your vacancy rates will drop. So this is all very avant-garde, we feel, very progressive. And it's a new way of residency because this makes safety a required standard condition of residency. And this benefits even kids because kids are the most vulnerable. I should know because I was one of them. So, and there's more to the certification, but just to keep it simple for the sake of this podcast, that's a summation of it. And we feel that we're moving residency in this direction. I think that this will really catch on the more that time passes and the more that also safe gains momentum. So you actually addressed my the first question I had is whether the the combination of education and contracts, if it was meant as a deterrence or if it was meant as a solution to kind of rectify when it happens. But it sounds like the overarching goal is to deter, you know, abuse in the home. In your summation there, I have a you know a series of questions and kind of the first one that comes to mind because unfortunately we've seen this in our office is violence among unrelated people. So the roommate situation, we've seen that. You know, has your model been used before for you know roommate situations where you have kind of a household but an unrelated household? Oh, it applies. It applies because in all uh, leases, you have to state, and you know, because you're a real estate broker, you have to state who is in the residence. So mm-hmm. it's all residency, even dorm dorms. This could be applicable in dormitories, really, because it's all it's all part of residency. So whether you're married or not married, boyfriend, girlfriend, you could be living with your ex, you could be living with your grandparents, your aunts, your uncles, uh, roommates, as you stated. It's applicable. We made it where it's applicable, whatever your living environment is. So, so no one should beat the crap out of anyone. No one should verbally, physically, sexually abuse anyone. So it definitely carries over to all residency and obviously fine tune. We improve, we tweak as we go along, but we're definitely making it where that it applies to every living situation because that's how it should be, quite frankly. <laughs> Across it, whether we're talking about just people working together on an investment, I always like having people formalize their arrangements just because it sets a good expectation of what's to come. So I hear that in the contract that you've created here, saying that if there is an abuser, the abuser is going to be the one that loses the the ability to stay in the home. But unfortunately, when I kind of think about the some of the legal aspects of that. I know that there are 50 states and everything works a little bit differently. Unfortunately, has this been tested in court with the eviction? You know, has anybody ever been removed from housing from, you know, as a result of misbehavior? This is new and I'm okay. doing as many podcasts as possible to market this, to get this out there, to let people know that we exist, that such a product exists, that such a company exists. So I'm trying to market this in every way possible. And we do consult with a small team of lawyers on a regular basis. And one of those lawyers is a family law expert. Uh, That's what she specializes in is, is in family law. 
And when she looked at my policy and I had her review it, I had her, her and also another attorney actually, who was a prosecutor in domestic violence situations. And they said that, wow, Sabrina, you are actually short circuiting the entire process in a good way. Like with the Oso Safe certifications, it's almost as if you don't need courts. You don't need to even go to court because you're nipping it right in the bud, right in residency. You're resolving it right in residency. What do you need? Child protective service agencies and lawyers and mediators and parent coordinators and judges. You're resolving it right in residency because the abuser's out. And as you know, in real estate, right now, the way things are, as a landlord or as a property owner, you're stuck with the abusive family, right? And then all of your well-behaved, non-abusive tenants, they leave, right? Because they hear police come to the residence or to the unit. They hear yelling and screaming. Maybe things are breaking. Kids are screaming. So they leave. Well, we're looking to flip all of that. Why should your well-behaved or your non abusive tenants leave. It's the abuser that has to leave and leave everybody else intact. Everybody else who is doing what they're supposed to do in residency. So we're flipping all of that. And these attorneys that we consult with on a regular basis, like I said, we we have everything check with them to make sure that everything is cohesive with, uh, we live in New Jersey. We're in, we're based in New Jersey to make sure that everything is in order, if you will. And we're looking to make this state by state by state, you know? So I hope I answered the question. Yeah. This process intrigues me a little bit in part because I've seen some aspects of the court system work in ways that actually do just the opposite, where they cement the abuser into place. And, you know, they're the immediate victims in the household. But from some of the work I've done with landlords that impacts the the neighbors in neighboring units, it sours the the entire the home, you know, less severely, but it, it, it sours the home for everybody else. It makes the landlord's experience very difficult as they try to navigate something outside of their realm. So I ask where it's held up because I'm intrigued by the idea and I hope that it does get held up, you know, does meet the test of the court system because I've seen it, the courts do some pretty bad things, either just by delaying the action or worse. The other application that I see something like this helping is unfortunately in cases of divorce where some legal advice that I've heard other divorce attorneys say, now this is something that, you know, this is not advice I've ever given, but where they've asked people to try to stay in the home as long as possible, even if it's a terrible situation, to help them preserve their rights to title to the home in the divorce or their rights to custody later on. And that's not a good situation for anybody to try to just tough it out as long as possible. But I've heard that advice given before. And I hope arrangements like this can help get ahead of that kind of terrible situation. We'll be right back. Every other real estate rental property deal analysis spreadsheet is wrong. The only spreadsheet that correctly analyzes your real estate deals taking into account reserves, true cash flow, including depreciation, and your true net equity on a property is the world's greatest real estate deal analysis spreadsheet from the Real Estate Financial Planner. Download a free copy today and finally start analyzing your rental properties correctly. Go to 
refp.info forward slash free to download it today. Right. No, I understand. To answer your first question, which is about with landlords and souring the the rest of the family unit, if you will, or Mm -hmm. the rest of the building, right? Well, we feel that this will actually, it will resolve a lot of issues. And this puts everybody responsible in a way because everybody we always put the responsibility of safety in the vict- on the victim right that's the way of society but with the oso safe certification it's kind of it's the burden is not on any one person and and it's not really and burden is not even the right word it's everybody's responsible for their safety um the landlord the property manager the superintendent the tenant the husband, the wife, whatever your living arrangement is. So it's not just on one person and where you're expected to leave. And so, like we said, this is all, you're held to a higher regard, a higher standard in an also-safe certified property. And we feel that people, this will really catch on and people will demand that they want to live in in an also-safe certified property because they feel like, wow, my kids will be safer I don't have to worry about some sex offender in the building. And even if there is one, well, we have systems and mechanisms in place to evict them or to keep them on watch and say, look, you're going to be held responsible because you're in a no so safe certified property. Safety is on the forefront. It's the focal point of residency. So we feel that this will really resonate with people very on a positive level, on multiple levels. So I hope I answered that question. You know, I want to speak a little bit to those who listen to the podcast who are landlords um, and investors. You know, aside from subscribing to the OsoSafe system, what are just some advice that you could give to landlords on how they can make the homes, those homes safer? Which is probably pretty obvious. Hire us, hire us, mm-hmm. get us into your buildings, get us into your whatever it is. It could be a two family or multifamily dwelling. We feel that this will be the future of residency. And when I say future, I mean now, not in a couple of years, right now. If anything that COVID has done on a positive level is to really shed a light on how important it is for residency to be safe, because our homes have become our schools for our kids and our workplaces, if you will. So if your home is not safe, well, there goes your workplace and there goes your schooling for your kids and your residency period. So it has highlighted that. So I feel that landlords, they need to be more um, to talk about it. And we make this very easy, if you will, because we have the seminar. We talk about it. We say, look, we don't allow and we have systems in place and technology to say, wow, it picked up a rape or a would-be rape. It picked up you pulling her hair. It picked up you beating the crap out of your kid. So that's the technology portion of it um, that that I think is a, a new way of residency, if you will. But landlords, you could say, I don't speak to your tenants before they even enter. I don't tolerate any abuse. We're pro safety. And that means beyond the asbestos and making sure that the heat and hot water and electricity and central air and concierge and all the amenities, we have to talk about it uh, to say, 
to educate on warning signs, to say, look, we care about what happens behind the four walls, beyond signing the leases, being really open in that manner. Because in fact, when I speak to people and I am a real estate agent, landlords say, Sabrina, the first and foremost problem that we have as landlords is domestic violence. And we don't even like to call it that. We prefer to say home violence because it's more inclusive. And a man could be a victim for sure. So it's it's whatever makes up your home environment. So, And I want to say to landlords and to your audience, to investors, don't think that you're a bad person because you have problems with tenants. All of us do. So don't think that it's you like, oh my gosh, like what did I do? No, this doesn't happen in my building. It is happening. And don't feel ashamed. There are 15 million children that witness violence in their own homes each and every year. One out of three women will be beaten or raped in a lifetime. One out of seven men is abused. 324,000 pregnant women go into the emergency room, not for pregnant-related issues, but for abuse-related injuries. 80% of all runaways come from violent homes. I could go on and on with statistics. The point is, these people live in our residences, in our buildings. So don't think that I must be a bad landlord. I must be a bad person. No, that doesn't happen here. It's happening. So face it. Say, okay, accept it, but do what you need to do in order to make your building safe. Provide the education, get it into your leases, hire us, get your properties also safe certified. You'll be a better landlord. And we are actually speaking to insurance companies and other professionals where it's more of an incentive for landlords to get their properties also safe certified because their insurance rates will go down and their property values will go up because our logo <laughs> will be right in front of their building. And that way, any pedestrian traffic, any vehicle traffic, people looking for a place to live. Wow. I know what that logo means. It means it's home violence conscious. They promote safety. I would rather live in a building that is home violence conscious, that is also safe certified versus one that isn't. So that's a plus for a landlord. I hope I answered the question. I know I, I go <laughs> off on a tangent, but to address your divorce question, again, this applies for divorce couples too. And we feel that the more successful that also safe is, the laws will bend to what we are doing. And I've said this multiple times in different apartment associations, property owner associations. It has to go this way because safety has to be on the forefront. And that's period. And we will see to it that that happens. It looks like you're approaching the business in the right way from a few different angles. You know, you're speaking with the owners of real estate, you're speaking with landlords, and you're talking their language. You're saying, we're going to make your property more attractive. Like, you know, what you're looking to do is keep people safe, obviously. But like in speaking to landlords saying, we're going to make your situation easier for you and more attractive. Right. We're going to attract better tenants that won't be abusive. We're going to have a better situation with a multifamily dwelling. And by approaching insurance companies saying, listen, with the certification, you know, we have some guarantees here. Maybe there's a way that you could help with rates 
for some right. of the landlords as well. You know, I think about the Simply Safe logo that's stuck on the door at the building that we're in right now. You know, and that shows that hey, my property is secured by Simply Safe, right? And and that sticker is enough of a d- deterrent for some people that are looking to break into the house, saying I don't want to break in the house. You know, so if you have right. a sticker on the door saying it's an OSA safe property, you know, that's a declaration that's saying we're not going to tolerate this here. I mean, you know, Rory requires his agents to be realtors, members of the National Association of Realtors. He has his own certifications as an attorney. You know, these certifications that institutions put forward, they don't do it just as a as a, a money grab. They do it because they want you to be proud that you've gone through some training or through some coursework that shows that this is who you are, you know, as a certified individual. So, you know, I think that what you're looking to do or what you are doing with Oso Safe is a really interesting angle. And I think you're approaching it in all the right ways. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Alex Brayshaw. Join me as I celebrate the positive impact of business and what drives the people behind it. It's a chance to hear from business leaders, emerging sectors and industry influencers about their unfinished business in just 25 minutes. Thank you so much. Thank you for the positive feedback. And yeah, our thinking, our train of thought is landlords, property owners, property managers, uh, even if you're a single homeowner, you should be rewarded, financially rewarded for keeping your residence safe. That's how it should be. You and your property should be worth more. Getting the technology installed, having the education, having people sign the policy, we feel that people will be proud to, like you said, to be living in an also-safe certified property. And our technology will have multiple applications. And one of the applications we're looking to have this for is also real estate agents, when they do open houses and they're alone, the app will detect violence or would-be violence because, and it goes to the broker or it goes to the police because uh, we're in these situations, right? People operate on good faith, but also they operate on bad faith where they, where they have bad intentions, like Beverly Carter, who was murdered. I'm sure we're familiar with that name in Arkansas, that real estate agent who was murdered. She did a showing for a, a cash investor and he kidnapped her and she was murdered. And they found her body a ways from the property that she showed an abandoned home or something. And um, mm-hmm. so this will have multiple applications. And we really, we just feel that what we have been doing has not been working. And we feel that Oso Safe is the solution to a lot of problems regarding safety, regarding kids not being safe at home, abusers, rapists, pedophiles, sex traffickers, sexual predators. We're doing our best to kind of take care of all of the scenarios and we will we will improve as we go along but we feel that this is a the new way of living the new way of residency well i really appreciate your explaining what oso safe is all about and you you're so well versed on on this topic and and before we move to our final questions and learn about how people can get a hold of you, Sabrina. One last question I have for the two of you, since you're both real estate agents. You know, I did mention that we had an episode a long time ago about open house safety for real estate agents. And we just, you know, you just told the terrible story about the agent in Arkansas. What are some things that the two of you do, either yourselves or with your agents that lean into safety when you're conducting open houses? 
well, we are taught repeatedly, make sure that your clients go first in the property. So make sure that you're that you are behind your clients at all times or as much as possible, that you are not in front of them. To have someone else with you at, op- at open houses or showings, um, although that is very difficult, you know, and you shouldn't have to do that, right? You shouldn't, mm-hmm. especially as a woman, you shouldn't have to do that. But they do say that to always work in pairs, work in pairs at showings, work in pairs at open houses, no matter the time of day or night. They say the usual thing like bring mace, have mace with you, uh, make sure that you have someone that knows where you are at all times. But I have to say all of the precautions are secondary. What we need to do is raise our boys not to become abusers, rapists, pedophiles, sex traffickers, and sexual predators when they grow up. And that starts right when they're very young. And that's, please don't misunderstand me. That's not to say that women are not abusive, that they can't be abusive. Most certainly they can be, and they are. But I went to a a seminar that I wish my brokerage firm made it mandatory. I just went on my own and the real estate agent or the the cop, I think it was an undercover policeman. It was so powerful. He walked in, he was very thin, pretty thin, and he had on suit. And the way he opened up his seminar, and this is for real estate safety, he walks up to the front of the room and he pulls out all of his weapons. I could not believe my eyes how many weapons he had on him. He had, I'm not exaggerating, about 25 ways to take someone down a gun, rope, a knife, a machete, a pen, a cord a hammer. He had all of this on him and all hidden. And he was pretty thin. It wasn't like he was a big guy with big pockets. And it was a real eye opener to me how uh, skilled these criminals are. So I would say having your agents go to these seminars and making it mandatory is really important. So I'm sorry, Rory, did I take up your time? But these are some of the ways that, you know, to try to stay safe mm-hmm. on my end. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't have a lot to add um, because this is unfortunately where it feels as though we have a series of, of just small, good ideas that maybe work together. But for private showings, we've recently started requiring IDs um, being logged for all of our private showings as a way to, you know, deter certain people. And most importantly, we let people know in advance that we're when we meet for the first time, we're going to be checking your ID. And that's just one way to maybe deter a certain type of abuser. Right. Yeah. I've heard that. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a lot to think about. And, you know, for everyone listening to this podcast, you know, rewind it and listen to it again, you know, because this is a serious topic that, you know, we need to have safe spaces for our homes and we need to be safe when we're working in this industry. And, you know, we appreciate all the comments on this. And, you know, I think that if you were to just check out Sabrina's website, which is ososafe.com, and we'll put this in the show notes, you know, there's a whole lot of information there. A lot of the talks you've done, I think the videos are on there, or they're up on YouTube, you know, so we'll make sure everyone knows how to find all that in the show notes for the episode. 
So why don't we ask the final few questions that we ask of all of our guests, uh, just as a way to wrap it up and you know learn a little bit more about you beyond just the work that you're doing. The first question that you've had a TEDx conversation, right? You're, you are a TEDx speaker, so it's about this topic. But if you can get on stage and not prep anything, 30 minutes talking about anything in the world because you know it so well, probably not related to your, your work, what would that be? Dance. Anything dance, all dance, just ballet, jazz, theater, Latin, partnering, point, tap. Yeah, all dance. Uh, and it is related to OsoSafe because we do incorporate that with OsoSafe, especially when we go into schools and universities. But but yeah, uh, dance. Dance seems like it's getting more and more popular. You see it all over TV now, you know, with all the competition shows. Right. You know, obviously it's been around, I grew up outside New York City and, you know, the clubs are, you know, near and dear to uh, a lot of New Yorkers' hearts. We watched, I don't know if you watched Pose, the series Pose on FX, but it was all about the, the ballroom scene in the, uh, I guess in the eighties, you know, it was a big, big oh. dance related show. Um and our daughter loves dancing. Like she's probably going to have to do dance lessons soon. She always slips on her slippers, she calls them, and then she starts dancing. That's great. Yes, yes. I have to catch that pose. I have to look into that. <laughs> yeah, go look into it. It's a great series. Second question, you might have answered this also. Uh, it's the whole basis of Oh So Safe, but maybe there's something else that's happened uh, that you've learned about in the business world. Uh, you know, What is it that, that happened earlier on in your life or career that is affecting the way that you're working today? Just turning my pain into power over and over again, fortunately and unfortunately. I mean, more fortunately, obviously, but um, I'm very determined to make, as we said in the interview, no one should live with abuse, violence, chaos, dysfunction, no one. So there's enough problems to solve, and none of those problems should be having to live like, like as if you're with a terrorist by far. So I would say all of my childhood trauma has fueled oh so safe. Right. Powerful statement. Our final question for you is what are you listening to or watching or reading these days? I loved the limelight. That was my favorite club in the city. So mm-hmm. um, I have to get Peter Gation. He was the owner of the limelight. So it's not a book that I've that I, that I have yet, but it's on my list. So I have to get that book, especially now that I said it on your podcast. So I have to go get it. And it's, I forgot the title of it, but, um, he wrote like a, an autobiography. And, uh, like I said, it was so freeing. And, um, I, I, I thank him for that whole club scene. It, it, it was so liberating for me. So, uh, that's a book that I definitely have to get. And I, I, it slips my mind right now, but he, he, he wrote it recently within the year. I'm sure a couple quick keystrokes on Google <laughs> and we could probably all find it very easily. So yes, yes. Um, uh huh. Yeah. I think the club well, the, King, maybe the club King, the club King, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Look for that. And we'll add that to the show notes also, if we could find it. Okay. Um, so Sabrina, can you tell us how people can get a hold of you if they have any questions or want to learn more about Oh, so safe. Sure. Uh, you stated my website, ososafe.com. My direct email is sabrina at ososafe.com. Uh, I am on all the major social media platforms, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Alignable, Instagram. My TEDx talk is out there. I also have a YouTube. So anyone can just YouTube Sabrina Oso, but also Ososafe Kids. It's a platform that I've created recently about six months now. I'm speaking to all kids, both 
ones that are safe at home and ones that are not to talk openly about their abuse and to say that they want to live in a no so safe place. Um, I have wristbands made with the oh so safe kids uh, um, word and words on it. And I'm trying to get this into schools, but kids, sh- and I want to mention in a no so safe certified property, kids have rights and we don't wait until they're 18 for them to be able to speak on their own behalf. If they're five, six years old, they have a say in a no-so-safe certified property. So that's that's ingredients for another interview, I think, because waiting until they're 18 is way too late. So yeah, so that's how people can find me. And uh, I, I want to thank you and, and Rory again for the opportunity. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your story and, and explaining Oso-Safe and, and the origin of your business and you know what it takes to to build a business like this and what goes into being an oh so safe environment so you know we'll look forward to seeing how your story evolves and we'll have to follow up and learn more about oh so safe kids also once that's off the ground further absolutely rory where can people find you if they have questions they can find me at my brokerage's website next on title town that's next on title town.com or my law practices website for urban village legal urbanvillagelegal.com and we'll put all those links in the show notes along with all the links to find Sabrina relatively easily. So thank you once again. Thank you for sharing everything, Sabrina. And thank you for listening to the Real Estate Law Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, we would encourage you to like us or subscribe to our YouTube channel or give us a review on iTunes. It all really helps get our message out to more folks. So on behalf of the Real Estate Law Podcast, I'm Jason Muth. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Thank you. This has been the Real Estate Law Podcast. Because real estate is more than just pretty pictures, and law goes well beyond the paperwork and courtroom arguments. We're powered by Next Home Title Town, Greater Boston's progressive real estate brokerage. More at nexthometitletown.com. And Urban Village Legal, Massachusetts Real Estate Council, serving savvy property owners, lenders, and investors. More at urbanvillagelegal.com. Today's conversation was not legal advice, but we hope you found it entertaining and informative. Discover more at realestatelawpodcast.com. Thank you for listening.